0: There we go. So be merry. Isn't that what you hear all the time? This, this phrase seems to be a bigger thing than it used to be. I don't remember growing up hearing be merry all the time. But, but we see these signs everywhere. We have them in our houses. We see them when we go out and look at all the tchotchkes that we can get. Be merry. Merry and bright. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. And it feels like a lot of pressure sometimes to me to be Mary, whether I'm feeling like it or not. And I would say Mary is like being in a good mood. So there's pressure at Christmas for us to be in a good mood, regardless of what's going on, regardless of our circumstances, and it feels like this pressure. It's easy when you see all these little ones up there. These are two of mine. This was, I think, 1989. Yeah, so that... That's a long time ago. Um, These are our oldest two. And this Christmas, this particular Christmas, um, we were, on Christmas Eve, Steve got the stomach flu. We're not sure if the stomach's flu or food poisoning. He got it. And that next morning was Christmas morning. And it was just the four of us that year. And so guess who had to be extra merry that morning? He was so great. He came downstairs like came down when to do the stockings, he was flat on, on the floor, couldn't lift his head off the floor. So I would be like, look what they got. Isn't this great? Daddy loves it. This is so fun. Aren't you having fun? And it's all this pressure to be extra, extra merry. But that's not what Christmas is really about. We're going to talk about joy this morning. We've been talking about the gifts God gives us in Jesus, the gift of faith Mark talked about. Ryan talked about the gift of love. We're going to talk about the gift of joy. It's not the same as being merry or being in a good mood. Jesus came to give us the kingdom of God, to allow us enter the kingdom of God when he came at Christmas. He is the one who gives us access to everything in his kingdom. And part of what's in his kingdom is love and faith and this joy and Romans tells us for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit but how many of us really feel like we're living a life of joy well let's look at what it is I had a really hard time defining joy it's like love it's like I can see it I know what it looks like. I know it when I feel it. But to define it is really difficult. So let's look at the Christmas story. We're going to look at the shepherds and talk about joy a little bit through that perspective. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, I would too, be too. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So there they were living their life, out with the flocks at night, alone in the dark, as a group. How many of us feel Right now, this Christmas, alone in the dark. Weighed down. But Jesus came, Emmanuel came, God with us, and stepped into that darkness. And this angel came and said, I've come to give you good news of great joy. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for just the people that are in a good mood. I bring you good news of great joy for The people that everything's going the way it should. No, for all the people. That word joy, or first, the good news, is eugalizo, to announce good news. And last summer, I, I talked about this word a little bit that what it was was a messenger would come from whoever the ruler was, whether it was Caesar or Herod, the monarchy, and they would come and they would announce throughout the land, they'd be sent out to announce something like a new king is born. A victory has been won. There's a wedding going to take place. And announce that good news, and the good news of the gospel brings great joy, gladness, delight. You will find, where it says great joy, you will find often in the New Testament especially, but in the Old too, whenever joy is mentioned, there's always that extra word there great joy. Fullness of joy, joy to overflowing. It's not just a little tiny joy, it's a joy that takes over everything. This joy is radical and powerful. It breaks into the darkness, bringing a multitude of angels, and announces that a new king has been born. A new regime is in place, a new future is here. All will be made whole again because of God's love for us. This joy changes lives. And changes history. You see, the Christmas story is not this sweet little bedtime story. We read in, and that cute, the little baby, and Mary and Joseph, and so sweet. This was a statement to the powers you could see. It was a statement to Caesar. It was a statement to Herod. It was a statement to the Pharisees. There's a new king. But it was also t- a statement to the powers you could not see. This was a radical, almost violent joy that broke in and s- like a sword in the ground and said, The old regime is over. The new regime has come. And it broke into their darkness and changed their lives forever. However, when they went to see, what was it? It was a baby that had to grow, like a seed in the ground that has to grow. So with the now and the not yet. The now, this is a new regime. It's broken in, and yet it had to grow. And Jesus had to grow and become our Savior and die on the cross for us. And we are still working out that salvation until the day. Then all that he had promised is here. So in our definition, I thought I'd first start with what joy is not. Because it's it's hard to to get our hands around it. It is not disassociation from reality. It is not pretending everything's okay when it's not. Paul talks in Corinthians, and everything we do, we show we're true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, anybody there? And gone without food. He's not putting his head in the sand, is he? We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We've been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We're poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There's no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Paul is not sugarcoating anything. He is facing the reality, and yet he's saying they're full of joy. Joy comes into our times of feeling slandered or alone or destroyed or beaten down, and it undergirds us. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy, and it has nothing to do with our circumstances. We are not joyful because everything lines up the way we want it to. And that's what Paul is saying. There's something called the Stockdale Paradox. Have you ever heard of that? So in Great to Good by Jim Collins, it's a business book, but he interviewed an Admiral Stockdale. And Admiral Stockdale was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for seven years. And he survived starving, beating, all of this. And he, he said, you know, how did you survive? He said, Well, I, I faced reality, but I still remained with hope that the future would would come, that I would get out. He said, Who were the ones that didn't do well? He said the optimists didn't do well. The optimists were the ones that said, Oh, by Christmas, I'll get out. By Easter, I'll be out. By summer, I'll be out. And because all those deadlines didn't, weren't met, they died of a broken heart, he said. So hope and joy comes in beside reality. J.D. Salinger, who wrote, wrote Catcher in the Rye, said, the fact is always obvious much too late, but the most singular difference between happiness or being in a good mood and joy is that happiness is a solid And joy is a liquid. Happiness is something we can see that meets an expectation, that meets a deadline. It's something that we react to that's solid. But joy? Joy can bubble up like an oil, like water. It can seep into our bones. It becomes a part of who we are and infiltrates all of it. So what joy is not, it's not a disassociation from reality. It's not about circumstances, and it's not simply being in a good mood. See, we're made of body, soul, and spirit. And our soul contains our mind, our emotions, our will. So where does God dwell? God dwells in our spirit, right? When we become a follower of Jesus... The scriptures promise us the Holy Spirit comes within and fills us up in our spirit. So our joy is in our spirit too. That's where this joy lives. It's the joy of the Holy Spirit that lives within our soul. But all of that other stuff gets in the way of us feeling it, it's there. And it might be in this tiny little mustard seed form, but I promise you it's there. So, what is joy? So, it's not that. What is it? Well, it grows from the inside out, it comes from within our spirit, like a seed. Jesus said to her, This is the woman at the well who wanted water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. He wasn't talking about literal water. He's talking about the spirit within that wells up. And that's where Jesus resides. And that's where that faith is. That love is. And that joy is. Like a liquid bubbling up inside of us. Joy is in our spirit. And it's a fruit of the spirit. There's the list of the nine fruits of the spirit. It's love. Joy. It's near the beginning of the list. Some people... Think that the the scripture really is the fruit is love, and here's what it looks like. Is one way to look at that. But it's a fruit. Think about a fruit. So if you plant a seed for a fruit tree, it takes years before it's big enough to develop fruit, right? So you may have a seed form of joy in you that needs time to develop, needs water and sunshine needs light and time to grow, and then it produces the fruit. And then does the fruit tree eat its own fruit? So that fruit of joy bubbles up within us and grows, and it becomes so big and comes out of us that we can give joy to others. Jesus said in John 15, If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So what is joy? As a fruit of the Spirit, it is loving one another. He says, follow my commands and you'll be joyful. And we think, oh, it means, you know, don't smoke and don't drink too much. And No, what does it mean? To love one another. That's what we've been commanded. So this joy bubbles up, and it's joy, again, here it is, my joy may be complete. It's extreme joy, filled to capacity flood. It's pervasive, and it allows us then to love one another. It's a fruit that's produced and given away. And it's a confidence in the good news, that good news I was talking about, that a king has been born, that a victory has been won. That there's a wedding coming between the church, the people of God as his bride, and Jesus as the bridegroom. Revelation tells us he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they're true. See, the good news is true regardless of your circumstances. There's a difference between facts and truth. So, the facts may be I'm dealing with a diagnosis of cancer and I don't know what's going to happen. The facts may be my relationship is falling apart. The facts may be I've lost my job. The facts may be I feel lonely and lost. The facts may be someone close to me has died. That's the facts which we need to face, as Paul talked about. But what's the truth? The truth is that's not who I am. The truth is that's not the end of my story. The truth is that doesn't mean God is not in control or that he's not good. So the truth is that I can live in in the confidence of that good news Is that I have a father in heaven who loves me. I'm a daughter in his house. I have the power of the Holy Spirit living within me, growing this fruit. That's the truth. He has defeated the powers of darkness that are out to kill and destroy and steal. That's the truth that I can stand in. Not ignoring the facts, but living in the truth despite that. That's where joy starts to bubble up. So how do we live from joy? Okay, so so it's this confidence, it's this fruit, it's this thing that bubbles up from inside. It's part of the Holy Spirit living within me. How do I get there? Well, let's look at the words again. So, "kara means joy, delight, gladness. Etymology. Etymolo, it's etymology. I get there. It's etymology. Closely relates it to charis, which is grace. Kindness and favor, which is also related to Eucharistia, which means to give thanks, to be thankful. They're all closely related in their roots. So I think that joy comes from both grace and gratitude. It comes from living in grace that we receive from the Father and then praising him back and showing the gratitude back and loving one another and receiving that grace and throwing that gratitude back up to him and receiving that grace and throwing that gratitude back into him. And I think that living in that cycle begins to produce joy within us. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life in your presence There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his presence, again, there's that extreme joy. It's never just joy, fullness of joy leaping up inside of me in his presence, receiving his grace, being open to all he has for me. How do I get into his presence? Psalm 100 said, enter his gates. With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So, as God pours out his grace, then I pour back gratitude. I can enter into his presence where there's fullness of joy because of his grace, and because I'm in an attitude of receiving that grace with gratitude. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, this presence, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I love how this mes- the message says it, the Eugene Peterson version. This is 1 through 5, but... Listen to this. I was so excited to share this with you. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus, and that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment he's already thrown open his doors for us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Wait, there's more. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling short-changed. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything. God generously pours into our life through the Holy Spirit. So how would I define joy? Here's what I came up with. Joy is a deep confidence in God's grace that God is good, his word is trustworthy and true, and he will bring about justice. And joy is gratitude towards him that I am loved as a child in his house, and my future in him is secure. So I am now free to love others. How do I know this? Jesus. Jesus stepped into a time to bring grace into the world in the night when they were under a regime that was oppressive, the Roman regime, when they were under religious rules that were too much for anybody to follow. He has grace stepped into that. And you saw that the the wise men from the scripture responded with joy and gave him gifts. The shepherds responded with joy and ran to see him. Christmas is about that. It's about receiving his grace and responding with thanksgiving. So my question is, where do you need joy to break through? Could the worship team come up, just play a little background music? Um, What I want you to do is sit with your, your hands open, eyes closed, Just open to receive. And I want you to think, with your eyes closed, I want you to think, where is the night in my life right now? Where is it dark? It might be a diagnosis. It might be a relationship. It might be loneliness. It might be financial. It might be anxiety, depression. Where is it dark right now? Just, just sit with that for just a minute and, and, and sit with it and feel the fact of it. And now I want you to ask Jesus who, who wants to break into your night. Jesus, I know what the facts of this are. What's the truth? Ask him to speak to you in your mind. What is the truth? Where is your grace? And I want you to take all those facts up in a bundle. And I want you to picture yourself giving them to Jesus. He takes them and then he hands you grace. He hands you the truth. And I want you to hold the truth. Augustine said, God gives us, wants to give us good gifts, but too often our hands are too full of other things. So I want you to rid yourself of those facts. Open your hands so he can fill them. With his grace and with his truth. And I just want to pray a blessing over you this morning. Father, you would fill our hearts with joy. That joy that resides in us because we follow you, because we have the Spirit, that you would grow it. That it would undergird us. That we could stand on its ground of being, of joy. It would be that eternal bass note humming through the song of our life this Christmas. Just fill them up with your joy as a liquid, that they might feel the oil of your joy bubble up from within, seep into their bones, and steady them throughout Christmas. Amen.